You're listening to Brumpod, the podcast for small businesses by small businesses. Discussing the topics that matter to you because they matter to us, including marketing, networking, generating business awareness, as well as covering various business tools and technology. Brought to you by Brummies Networking, the home of free, stripped-back business networking. Produced by Happy Content Co. Welcome to episode 39 of Brumpod. I am here with Jason and Ewan. Hello. Hello. And today we thought we would talk about the topic of freeware, free software, and can you run a business near enough entirely on freeware? So, I suppose, what do we initially mean by the term freeware? Jason, you can give us the uh, definition if you like. Oh, thank you. Um, I wish I'd researched it. Now, um, okay, well, you've got free software, as in free to use. So a good example is Skype or Adobe Reader. Now, it's what they call proprietary, which is the makers own the code. So you can use it for your day-to-day use, and it doesn't cost you anything. And then there's also freeware or open source, which is where it's free to look at the code, it's free to amend it, make your own version, distribute it. That's pretty more technical, but I think you've also got the in-between stuff of freemium, which is like free basic version, but then you pay for the additional add-ons to make it, you know, for enhanced functionality. But for the purposes of this chat, we're really looking at, could you run a business using the free basic versions? In other words, minimal outlay, as opposed to paying for the subscription or the high-end services. And and this is the thing, this is one of the key things, is because in recent years, virtually all software manufacturers, manufacturers, software producers, they have switched to this subscription model, which I think for many people suits a lot of people far more. But it's it's becoming more rare now to find a software package that you just buy once, and then it receives sort of software updates to keep it running smoothly. Well, it's asking the question how we got here. So it all started back when Microsoft did that pivot away from hardware and desktops to actually looking at the internet. You know, in in olden days, you'd be given a laptop, it would have Windows on it, and it would have a licensed version of Microsoft Office. And the expectation was you do your work on the device and then upload your completed work to, you know, the other departments or to your own company server. That's changed. These days you have a device, but all the data is held in the cloud. It's held centrally and it can be accessed via a Windows device, whether it's a tablet, laptop, desktop, PC. It could be accessed by a Mac. It could be accessed by um, an Android device. So now you, you have very little on the device itself and the licenses are all held, it's like software as a service, they're all held online, and it's about how you access the data. Ah, the internet, it'll never catch on. (laughs) So at risk of turning slowly into the Go Compare Man, uh, we thought we'd uh, spend today looking at some of the different options that are out there, Uh, because not every business necessarily would want or need to subscribe to some of the big players. I think one of the, the main ones that I think most people will be, well, pretty much everybody will be familiar with is the Microsoft Office Suite, which now is rebranded to just 
well, it was Microsoft Office 365, and now it's just Microsoft 365. Um, and their standard for, you know, the, your Word, Excel, PowerPoint, and everything else, their standard business pricing nowadays works out to £9.40 per user per month with an annual commitment, so it's not cancelled any time, uh, which is £112.80 a year. There's a premium service with added cloud services for £15.10 per user per month, 181 quid a year. Um, or you can get the Office apps only with no cloud services for £7.90 per user per month, £94.80 per user per year. Price is correct at the time of going to publication. <laughs> Absolutely. Other but options I think are this, available. <clears throat> what you have to remember is in, in the old days, and I've, I've been through this myself, you know, you went out and bought a laptop. You then had to you know, buy the uh, Microsoft Office suite uh, to put on top of that. And all of a sudden, especially when you're setting up business, you've, you've got this huge or relatively huge outlay uh, all in one chunk. And one of the advantages of the subscription model is, is that you're paying only, you know, nine pounds, whatever it is a month which is bearable in terms of cash flow. Although at the end of the day, you're probably going to end up paying more. Yeah, it's that that bleed service where rather than a, you know an upfront cost, um, it's almost like having it on credit. But yeah, yeah you used to have to you know, install it yourself if um, if you didn't buy it bundled with the, uh, with the hardware. And again, it's just silly things like Outlook, you know, accessing your mail. Now, these days, you don't have Outlook on your machine. You go to the web and you access Outlook via a web browser, which could be, you know, Microsoft Edge or Mozilla Firefox because there are, you know, open source alternatives to the main stuff as well. But yeah, it all comes down to the same thing, which is everything has moved online. There's no money in tin anymore. No, very few businesses have their own servers on site. You know, they use too much energy. They get out of date too quickly. Everything is on the cloud. And the only thing that remains is that the, you know, the, the dot doc, the XLS files or XLSX, they're called now, the, the newer versions, the ones that can take more data. Um, you know, they're all accessed via, via multiple different um, software programs. And this thing, you know, there are, there are pros and cons with all of this because... As you were mentioned, obviously, the, it, it's a it's handy to have a known cost per month with everything broken down into a manageable chunk that you're expecting every month. Uh, but on the flip side, I remember years ago when I was a Windows user, uh, you know, you'd, you'd buy Microsoft Office one year, but then you wouldn't upgrade it for maybe a few years because if you're just doing basic uh, word processing and whatever, you, you you may not need all the latest. Features you still get software updates and things, but not like a main full new edition of it because often it is it wasn't really ever that necessary. But now, obviously, you're forced to have the newest one because it's a subscription, so you get the benefit of having the latest software all the time. But does everybody need the latest stuff all the time? I don't know. Well, that's why a lot of people will get away with a, a basic package. 
I mean, these days you've got um, open source alternatives to the Office suite like uh, OpenOffice, LibreOffice. Um, you can go to the Microsoft Store and download free Office versions where just the basic word processing uh, Excel packages are free to use. It's the enhanced functionality you'd have to pay for. So if you wanted to con convert something to PDF and then edit the PDF, that'll be an extra. But for just writing and reading documents, the, the basic versions function just as well as you know, an old version of Office without the risk of bugs or security problems. So no, OpenOffice obviously is free, uh, but looks like you do need to upgrade slightly to be able to edit PDFs. Uh, the other one you found, which well, I think both of you use, is WPS Office, which I hadn't heard of. Uh, which yeah. is again free or thirty dollars a year for cross-platform and device functionality for using on iPads and things like that. Um, which you know it, it does better if they're fully featured and they're you know fully compatible with the doc, doc formats and everything else. It's something which not every business would necessarily need the Microsoft, you know, standard packages. Well, a lot of people use a hybrid thing where they'll have the basic packages on a tablet. So when they work offline, they'll use a non-proprietary uh, program. But then when they upload it to the cloud, it's a case of, well, will all the data go through exactly as planned? Because, you know, some of the old problems in the past with uh, compatibility was that you would create a beautiful proposal on Word, email it over to a client who didn't have the same version of Office and was missing the same font package that you used. So yep. what he got was horribly garbled and out of uh, alignment and looked unprofessional. That's why PDFs came to light, you know, portable document format. You, you locked it as a PDF and everyone saw it the exact same version. Um, that's one of the challenges with the different software packages in the cloud is that if you do it on one device using one software package, will it remain compatible? Yeah, Absolutely. and that's particularly an issue, I think, with long legal documents mm -hmm. where formatting is, is, is kind of quite important to legal effect and, and to readability. Yeah, even a and presentation. versions are going back and forth in different formats. Um, that's a recipe for confusion. Yeah, the, the, the potential for rogue copies to you know end up in circulation was immense you know if somebody's out of date on the amendments that could mean have huge implications for a business but even something as simple as using a, a powerpoint presentation um, the chances of those going wrong if they're opened in a different program to the one it was created in was huge um, I mean, that's why things like um, Google Docs in particular, where everything is held online and, you know, on the, on the Google Drive. And then when you open it, it opens it in its format and you amend it and it saves it in its format until you download it and make whatever changes you want to using the software that you've got on your device. But there's this huge, um, not for, for all industries, you've got freeware for the purposes of this, freeware is the free to you know use stuff. You've got accounting software, you've got graphic design and image manipulation programs, you've got uh, stuff for creating music, you've got um, as well as the you know the basic sort of um, word documents and Excel. So yeah, there is a huge potential to do a lot of this stuff without having to pay 
a huge outlay for the subscription. The question is, should you? Yeah. Well, case in point, techradar.com uh, have recently done a, a roundup of the best free software for small businesses. Uh, and they they mentioned LibreOffice, um, and you mentioned Outlook earlier for email. You know, they recommend Thunderbird uh, for yeah. email software, which I know uh, some people I know use. Uh, Trello for project management. Slack for team communications, which we use as well. Uh, admin soft accounts for accounting. Wave invoicing, um, which I've used as well. Uh, but annoyingly, I did have an email from Wave not that long ago to say that um, some of the UK support uh, very soon is, is going to be cut off because they're concentrating more on the US market because that was really good. It could get everything connected to um, uh, your Stripe account so people could pay by card by clicking the button on the invoice itself. Um, but some of that functionality now is is going to be stripped away, which is annoying. But there will be other ones out there. Uh, yeah. Duplicati backup software. Komodo for antivirus. Uh, so again, you know, Norton antivirus is another one that costs, but there are other ones out there. It's a case of weighing up which you feel is the most beneficial and most accurate and useful for your business. I mean, if you look at freeware alternatives, one of the biggest um, pointers is Linux, which is an open source operating system. So if you have a somehow find yourself in possession of a laptop that's had the hard drive removed or the um it is worse you know still has it's a 64 bit still got some grunt in it but had windows vista on and you don't want to pay for a microsoft license you can put linux on it and it works it's secure or no less secure than you know most other operating systems, um, because it's open source, it's maintained by paid for developers and enthusiasts and just amateurs. And, you know, you can't, in terms of data security, you couldn't really inject bad code into it because whereas you might have 4,000 developers working on a paid for software project, you've got 40 million people continuously reviewing this, uh, these kind of projects. So they spot and amend anything that's gone wrong very, very quickly. Um, yeah, you could easily save yourself the, the license, but you have to be more sort of technically minded to get Linux to work. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this, this Richard, comes back to uh, your uh, offline comment about installing printers this morning. Yes. The joy of plug and play. Yeah, I, I, I remember years ago having printers where you're having to connect them either via USB or before that with parallel cables, and then having to use the CDs and things that came with it to install the right software and firmware, and, and sometimes trying to get them configured and set up so they would actually print something. You know, the primary focus and primary function of their role uh, was nightmarish. And uh, only a few weeks ago, I, I needed a new printer and bought a little... HP LaserJet, um, and being compatible with AirPrint for Apple, you know, I literally plugged it in. It's on the other side of the office. It's not connected to the the Mac at all. It just popped up saying, "Would you like to use this as your default printer?" Yes, that'd be very kind. And uh, yeah, hey presto, you hit print, and it prints. That's all I can really ask of a printer. Yeah, yeah, but it it it's important for us um, closet luddites that. Um, 
we have have things that are easy. Well, plug and plays a convenience, and that comes at a premium. And for a lot of businesses, it's a case of do you want to invest the time in configuring everything yourself because of the monetary saving, or do you want to invest in the convenience and get on with doing what you're actually supposed to do, which is running your business? It's the cost-benefit analysis. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I've got some other comparisons, uh, yeah. one that's especially geared towards the creative industries uh, is the Adobe Creative Cloud cost. Uh, and if you want all their apps, uh, you know, things like Photoshop, Premiere for video editing and InDesign and all those sort of things, uh, that costs uh, just shy of 50 quid a month for all the apps. Uh, you can subscribe to them individually, so it's 90, just under 20 quid for Photoshop alone. Um, so that's you know six hundred quid a year and two hundred and forty quid a year respectively, um, and again it depends if a business requires that a lot. You know probably will. There are probably damn good cases to say yes, we do need this because it does X, Y, and Z, and that's critical for what we do, and that's absolutely fair enough. But as a comparison, there are other options. You know that there are lots of free software that do video editing and, and photo manipulation and things like that. Uh, a lot, a lot of free, but the one I tend to use is called Affinity Photo, which is for Mac and Windows, um, and that's just a one-off cost of forty-eight ninety-nine, and yeah, you get well, constant updates with that. But at the moment, it's worth mentioning in case anyone does want to check it out. Uh, it's it's currently got fifty percent off, so it's twenty-three ninety-nine at the moment, and they do other ones, other software as well. They have uh, other Adobe alternatives, Designer and Publisher, uh, and they're all priced exactly the same they're all just one-off costs there's no subscription models yeah the thing to remember is these are tools of the trade and as with any tradesman the better the tools the better work you are expected to do it depends on what level of usage and what kind of ability you have i mean a beautiful lockdown story was my son who has got into college on a graphic design course now he did his entire coursework at home during lockdown using free software it was a graphic uh, graphic interchange manipulation program gimp for short insert joke here <laughs> um but ultimately he submitted his coursework well it wasn't even coursework he wasn't uh, doing art gcse he just decided during lockdown that he wanted to do something that made him happy not something that he felt his career was barreling towards based on you know his uh, exam options so he had the interview, he submitted the coursework, all done without Adobe Photoshop, and they were impressed just on the strength of that to offer him a place. So he got in using that, but he will learn how to use Photoshop, and he will probably be using that in his chosen field. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. But the, I very much think that it depends on what is central to your business and what's peripheral. Yeah. yeah. Because I think... I think I was, I was just going to say that, um, you know, I, I don't do uh, design as, as a major part of my business, but um, things like Canva, uh, which is, if you want it properly, is, is low cost rather than free. Yeah. But that enables me to do all kinds of stuff that I, I wouldn't otherwise be doing. But it's not central. Yeah, this is the thing, you know, Canva... There's a free version of it, which 
for being free is massively uh, detailed. It's got massive functionality, lots and lots of things baked into it. Uh, so there's, there is a huge amount of uh, stuff you can create with Canva without any cost at all. And if you did want uh, stock photos and things that are all baked into it, they just charge those at a dollar an image. So again, you're not having to pay the the likes of some of the big boy uh, photo stock photo sites. You know, it, it can be very low cost indeed. Um, but the Canva Pro subscription is uh, 99.99 a year, uh, and you get you know tons. You get everything included in all the photos and things. They're all fully included. There's no additional costs for anything uh, beyond there, and that that's what I use as well. And and again, you know, in the past, I've used things like Photoshop and other equivalents like Pixelmator for creating various simple graphics, and it can take quite a long time because you have to do everything from absolute scratch. Whereas you could knock something up in Canva within a couple of minutes, um, and that for me is is brilliant because I haven't got to spend ages on something from creating an image just for Twitter or LinkedIn or something like that. I haven't got to really think about it for an age and work out where all the various tools are just to do something relatively simple. You know, yeah. again, it's down to the speed of that makes for me Canva Pro well worth it compared to doing something from scratch in a in a Photoshop type package yeah i mean we've kind of established that if it's for the for the hobbyist or if it's not your main activity then using these basic freeware packages or the the trial or however you want to call it can let you do more it's like getting specialist tools for you know like my hobby outside of my grown-up job is fixing up guitars now if i needed specialist tools for every little job I'd probably have never got into it, but the fact that you can do a lot of stuff almost Swiss Army knife style means you can sort of dabble. But what are the risks of using freeware as opposed to a paid-for subscription with terms and legal guarantees in place? Ewan would be more familiar with this kind of thing, I'm sure, but I think one of the things that you do sometimes see with with free services online when it comes to um, maybe you know video creation or photo manipulation or graphic type things is there are some things out there which are free or, or there may be app based on the on the phone or tablet but you do have to be careful because sometimes there are packages which are completely free but when you look at the terms and conditions some of them do say that they're for personal use only they're not for commercial use so if you do start using graphics and things for instance um, and putting them on LinkedIn and using it as part of your marketing, that then is going to be clearly a breach of their of their service in terms and conditions. So that's something to be aware of. One of the things I'd be concerned about is, is firstly, you're not going to get some kind of service level agreement, which says if it go, goes down, they're, they're going to fix it within, you know, 48 hours or whatever. Yeah. I'd also be looking at data security and, and being particularly careful as to the reputation of, of some of the suppliers just because it would be easy and it happens with apps. Uh, it would be easy to say, oh, I've got this wonderful um, software or app and it turns out to be a, a, just a way into your network. Yeah. And I, I think that on a more practical level, I'd also be looking at updating and actually whether um, the, the software is going to be supported as as with your wave software um 
and whether it, it it's still going to be there in in a, a year's time, two years time, because I had exactly that problem with uh, with one of my websites where the uh, system, which was which was good, it worked, but all of a sudden the developer decided he wasn't going to do it anymore, yeah. and uh, it means I I can't get into that. Uh, website myself and and uh, and change anything so that's the frustration of having to redo work i mean it's it's the cost in time versus the cost in money again because you can you can open up one of these free packages and you can compile something and you can perfect it and then you go to click save and it goes oh you want to save it this way oh no that's part of the premium package you'll have to buy this then you've either got to abandon the project completely or shell out. So sometimes you need to understand what the limitations of the package are before you start any work on it, or you could end up having to redo all your work and pay out. Worst case scenario. Yeah, a lot of yeah, so a lot of free software can have very limited functionality just like that you know and, and some you know there, there are if, when i first used pixelmator i'm going back probably about 10 15 years or more um you know it, it in style it looked very much like photoshop but you could tell that it was it was very much a stripped down version uh so it didn't have any of the bells and whistles that photoshop would have it, it didn't even have some of the what i would consider you know fairly standard features that things like photoshop would have so it, it did have its limitations, and I think Pixelmator from memory is is a, a low cost one. It's not completely free; it is a, a low one off cost. Um, but I think one like of Affinity the- Photo. I mean, that they're, they're with there being a one off cost, they basically wanted to create something which was a rival for Photoshop. The the other software they made came later on. If you open that, it looks slightly different to Photoshop's layout, but it's. I mean, I'm sure people that use both day in day out would would possibly disagree but it's virtually identical for the most part you know it's it's got when when photoshop a few years ago brought out the sort of magic erase uh, button where you could just sort of run the cursor over something you want to remove from a photo and it just does it all itself whereas that would have been a very manual process prior with sort of cloning different areas and covering things up uh, things like affinity photo that's all baked in that's that's part of the thing and then that works incredibly well um so affinity photo even though it's you know a fraction of the cost of photoshop you're actually getting a very powerful bit of software uh, yeah. and for the for the price that it is compared to photoshop i've been massively impressed with it and again this is not a <laughs> it's not a promoted podcast they, they haven't sponsored this in any way it's just a something i've i use and i'm a massive fan of yeah well we've come from varying you know some varying industries so i could imagine you would use a lot of voice editing photo editing you know things like audacity my kids use and they've produced some fairly decent music on it for me it would be a lot more sort of administrative some photo editing you know one of my biggest bugbears is the editing pdfs you know you can imagine the frustration of filling out a 40 page document for a preferred supplier form and then wanting to hit the save button and it goes oh you can't do that in this package you think I would have actually been quicker to print it off, handwrite it, scan it, and then email it back? Yeah, 
So those are the, the kind of pitfalls that you'd want to avoid. In terms of data security, I suppose it's where you get your software from. Uh, we mentioned WPS Office earlier. Now, that was downloaded from the Microsoft Store. So there would be a fairly solid assumption that it must have passed a certain criteria to be safe and the same way as apps on the Android store are considered mostly safe until they're not and then they're removed. Um, so it's always a case of um, the risk of reputational damage if you use the wrong uh, product. But in terms of data being stolen, uh, it's probably not that big a risk compared to the just wasting your time backing the wrong horse and uh, putting something in the wrong format. And then it comes down to making sure your backup procedures are rock solid as well. Because say yeah. if, if people use That's Google always. Docs as their, as their main tool, then if you've got critical documents that you cannot risk losing, it's always worth having local backups and you know backups in various cloud storage services and backup services, not just relying on, well, it's in Google's, it's on their server, it'll be absolutely yeah. fine. It's always worth making sure your backup procedure is absolutely uh, rock solid as well. And if you are not running a business, but working for a business, that there's the GDPR compliance. Because what you have to remember is that a lot of people will use cloud storage or a remote desktop, because it's effectively, it's a, a walled garden, a sandbox, however you want to describe it, the information that is in there, it can be accessed, amended, saved but not downloaded or redistributed unless you choose to uh you know break protocol and email yourself documents from home but if you then start accessing documents outside of your remote desktop and it's just on your device using a format that was not necessarily intended then if your laptop gets stolen and that data is compromised where does the liability lie Absolutely, yeah. So uh, a lot of the time, if you are going to deviate from the approved packages and you are an employee, check with your employer. Just just because it's on the Microsoft Store does not mean your employer would give you consent to use that package. Yeah, absolutely. I was actually just going to give the the opposite uh, to freeware because I, I know uh, uh, an insolvency practitioner who's very very enthusiastic about the fact that if you get Microsoft 365 then you get an incredible range of tools uh, which if you're a small business match you know whatever the the biggest businesses have so it's it's actually an opportunity to do all kinds of things that um, previously only the big boys could do okay. but it comes at a cost but that's the thing. It's if you know if you uh, if you consider yourself playing in the big leagues, then you, you really want to be using the same tools as the big hitters. Yeah, it's all about whether it, whether it's going to be appropriate for your business. Is it worth using something else that maybe works with the other stuff? Is it worth the hassle with maybe if you have to do sort of file conversions and things, or is it easy just to send the one document to a client or colleague to work on as well? You know, it's. I say it's a cost-benefit analysis, isn't it? Is, yeah. is is it worth the potential hassle, saving think, some quid, or is it worth just paying whatever the subscription is to have a seamless operation? It's always going to be a, um, 
a choice between your own capabilities, the amount of time you can dedicate to it, and your budget. I mean, for a lot of people, if they're starting up on a, on a shoestring, it's going to make sense to keep the expenditure to a minimum and use as much free stuff and shareware and basic packages as you can. But as you develop and as your business takes on more work as you grow, then there is the consideration that maybe you need to standardize, formalize. A lot of stuff you did on the fly isn't going to work anymore. Same with any business development. Ewan knows this more than uh, more than me because of his grown-up job. But when you when your business starts to grow, you have to develop processes and you have to develop standards. And in order to keep those standards, sometimes one of the standardizations is the tools and software packages that you use. Yeah. Yeah, and and the other point on that is that other people have to be able to use them when you're not there. Yeah, yeah, yeah if, that's very if, true. It, if it's all in, if the process is all in your head, and it's oh well, you don't use that software for this. You'd start it in that, save it, and then open it in this. That's incredibly confusing for someone that has to take over um, in the event that you can't complete a task. So yeah. One of the yeah one of the biggest advantages of moving to a um, a recognised subscription based app is that yeah people are going to be more familiar with it and they can pick up where you left off. Yeah, definitely. So the question it's it's a question you need to ask yourself: Is it something that can be done for a business? Can you operate a business fully on freeware? In some cases, perhaps yeah. If you don't need a whole range of different tools and software packages to run your business and you only need basic things to operate, then chances are you can absolutely get away with using freeware. It's all about, is it worth the potential inconvenience? Is it worth potential hassle? Is it worth a learning curve? Is everything compatible with other people that you need to send stuff to? It's all about, is it going to enhance or reduce your productivity? And is that- And if it does, when is the right time to move on? Absolutely. And with the benefit of cloud things now, it's something which there is likely going to be a freemium or low cost option, perhaps, than having to go straight to the big boys. So it is always worth having a look out there, see which is well rated by other users. And because every software package ultimately is going to have its own pros and cons. So can you run a business entirely on freeware? Probably yes. It's just a case of whether you should. Well, I think that pretty much wraps up episode 39. So thank you for staying with us and we shall catch you next time. You've been listening to Brumpod, the podcast for small businesses by small businesses. Brought to you by Brummies Networking, the home of free, stripped-back business networking. Produced by Happy Content Co. Follow us on Twitter at Brumpod. You can subscribe to future episodes using Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, and several other podcast platforms. Just search for Brumpod. And if you've enjoyed what you've heard, then please do consider leaving us a review. Music by Bureaucratic. We'll see you on the next episode. <laughs>